I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm Curtis Jones. I am Cody Gagbo. Putting on the Liverpool top for the first time, it was a dream come true and I'll never forget that moment. Pre-order the new LFC 24-25 season Nike home kit now. You can pre-order it today for delivery from the 16th of May at your official LFC stores. Online at liverpoolfc.com forward slash store and on the official LFC store app. You will never walk alone. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Malby on the Spot. And this is, you're not quite weekly as of recently, Chance, for you to get the wit and wisdom of Mr. Jan Malby, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, as we have a look back on what's been happening lately. As ever, I am podcasting to you from my field here, very hot and sticky field in beautiful rural Ireland, and it's great. I'm not going to complain about it. And I'm joined, of course, by Mr. Jan Malby. So let's welcome him back to your ears after a little while. Jan, how are you getting on, man? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Trevor. Uh, I know it's a bit uncomfortable for everybody with this unbearable heat isn't it but it's only for three uh, days and I guess when by the time this podcast is out it'll be a distant memory <laughs> probably and that's the thing um it's not that distant of a memory for me like I do remember sweltering days like this when I was a nipper it just um all seems to blend away for people and uh, I yeah obviously it does limit you a little bit but it's also kind of glorious in different ways if you can, if you're in a position to enjoy it which thankfully I have been now um, I haven't been stuck working in um, an, uh, you know, a, a place with no AC or something like that. I can imagine that would be quite difficult. We're not set up for that kind of thing, this part of the world. Um, but anyway, we'll, uh, we, as you say, we'll, uh, we'll save the weather analysis for other shows and we'll get into what we're here to do, which is to kind of catch up uh, with each other in terms of what we've been uh, seeing happening in the football world. And um, there's been a lot you know, relatively speaking, maybe not as much from a Liverpool perspective as we'd have liked. But, you know, we have seen the beginning of the preseason um, and all that that entails. Uh, we've seen two games so far, one which was split up into sort of thirds by the manager who played pretty much everyone in a huge travelling squad. And then the second one, a little bit more uh, like what we'd expect for a preseason friendly in terms of the amount of changes and the the nature of them. Now, you're a man who has very personal experience uh, with preseason and what it's about. And we've spoken about it on the show before, but I'm, I'm always aware that we're picking up new listeners as we go. So I wouldn't mind just if you could kind of put it into perspective for people, because you have a group of lads there who are okay, mollycoddled in a way that you guys weren't, um, monitored in a way that you guys weren't. But it's still the same. It's a bunch of young men who work together, heading off, trying to get their heads back in the game. And the most important thing, Jan, it seems to me, is that they do get those couple of minutes on the field. They get the experience playing with the whoever the new arrivals are. They seem to be and would seem to be the priorities for me. I've never been one for giving much weight to preseason, what do you what do you say to people who do? Because we we we've seen it all over our own socials. Lads losing the head after that uh, opening uh, defeat to Manchester United. I mean, let, let, maybe put it in perspective for folks what preseason is all about, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's it's completely changed, hasn't it? And I guess for the better. In 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 our day, they believed that the only way you could improve players' fitness was taking you into the red zone. You know, so really taking you beyond what your body could cope with and pushing yourself. Whereas in these days, they would never allow that. Hence what we saw in the first game where the players were only allowed to play for, for, for 30 minutes. In our day, ideally in the first couple of pre-season games, 
they would have been looking for you to play 75 minutes. And then they would have really appreciated if you wanted to stay on and play the full 90 because then they thought this is how you get in the fitness. As I said before, they don't run that risk anymore. They don't take him into that red zone anymore. Uh, and I also guess that what we've seen so far from pre-season, the United game and the Palace game and all the sort of circus out in the Far East wouldn't have been something that Klopp necessarily would have liked. But he understands that it, it's important uh, for the brand of Liverpool Football Club and he would have gone out there and it was just a case of getting it over with. What he's looking forward to is getting down to the nitty-gritty of working with the players, working twice a day, you know, having five or six days where there's no games, you, you, you just work as hard as you can. And that's when they get their real sort of maths fitnesses. But the games, I mean, the United game with the team that we played and with the team that we started with, it was always going to be difficult, isn't it? We were always chasing the game uh, and, and there was just no way back into it, isn't it? But it changes nothing in, in terms of how I see the two teams and, I will see the season panning out for those two teams. Yeah, agreed completely. And I look forward to maybe talking about the other one of those two teams in a little while and see what you make of what's going on there um, in the new iteration of United under Eric Ten Hag. I do look forward to maybe getting a few thoughts from you on that because that's going to be interesting. We might have a look at some of the major rivals um, because we can and why not. But before we shift focus too much from Liverpool, um, and again, you know, just with the the, it's always interesting. I think to compare the 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 eras and the cultures because tremendous success was a feature of um, your time at Liverpool. Um, it's been a feature of this modern Klopp era as well. And yet, as we've said already, they couldn't be more different because of the culture um, around football in some ways. And I do recall, you know, listening and talking to several of your colleagues and yourself about how pre-season was also a chance for at least one or two little jolly ups and, you know, that kind of bonding experience. It doesn't seem to be much of an issue here because whatever sort of chemistry Klopp has got going on with them, they do seem to be quite a together kind of bunch. But what would you say, just as a last word on pre-season, about that as a thing? I'm thinking for the likes of our big signing who's come in and the young kid Carvalho who's come in. It's important for them as well. You know, you all you all all their peers are kind of putting casting a, a critical gaze on them, but also you'd like to think they're helping them become part of it. We seem to have the right group of lads there, but you'll recall what that was like as well. And is there a conscious effort on on, on players' parts to, to extend an arm or do they tend to be wary of the new boys? No, I don't think. I think, and, and very much going back to the way it was in my day, they, they were never wary of the new guys. They always felt that if we get somebody in new, they can only help improve the team. And I think it's the same now because I think... Every Liverpool player and the squad as a whole, they're very comfortable in their own skin. They know exactly what they're capable of and I don't think they particularly worry about new players coming in. I think they they, 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 they welcome it. Uh, and, and, and in terms of what they do, uh, I mean, a lot of things we did back in the day always had a lot to do with going out for the beer and, and, and bonding like that. These guys were bonding a whole different ways, but I believe the club is very good at getting them out of their rooms and getting them off their phones and, and, and iPads and whatever it is, uh, and, and having some fun together, whether that's karaoke or quizzes or whatever. So, yeah, I think, but I think the players want to do that. I know that other clubs try the same thing and the players can't be bothered and they go, this is, this, this, this is boring, old-fashioned, whatever. But at Liverpool, they, they enjoy each other's company and they have a bit of fun. It's a very competitive squad. And we see it all the time, don't we? These players, roommates or whatever. And, and then they have quizzes, do you know each other and all that thing is. And so I just think it works well. Uh, but of course, these things come with, with a number of things. Uh, one of the things is that you need players, top players who've been at the club for a while. And we have that. You also need them to be, be leaders, isn't it? And then you have a manager who still gets 100% respect from the players because otherwise you wouldn't be able to do all these things. And we have all those things in place. Yeah, ex- exactly. Which is, uh, you know, where 
we are in a very fortunate position um, and you look around other clubs and you can see that one or two or three of those big pillars are missing and um, it does leave us a little bit ahead in terms of prep when it comes to that type of thing and all those other kind of untangible things when it comes to people settling in uh, and feeling part of a group and all the rest of it. And I just do think about a fellow like uh, Darwin Nunes and I think about, you know, your era where um, you had arrived and things were won, the double was done. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't get much better than that in terms of domestic achievement. Uh, there was season 86, 87, then where it's, you know, um, close but no cigar. And then there's a whole spate of new arrivals and one or two of them for record or close to record fees. Peter Beardsley coming in for 1.9 million, which was massive money at the time. Barnsley for pretty much a million euros, 900 something thousand. And um, Ray Houghton comes in for 800 and something thousand. It's a tremendously massive outlay. John Aldridge had come in earlier for big money too, or comparatively big money for those days. Um, there's pressure that goes with that. Uh, and you'll have known about that pressure yourself from, you know, as you had said, like your time when you went to 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 uh, to Ajax, where you're kind of people are looking at you because of an amount of money associated with you, even though it doesn't mean a whole lot in terms of you as a person or you as a footballer, apart from maybe being a tribute to what you've achieved or how good the potential you have is. What do you, what can you say about this stress that that those guys are going to be under? Because that, that's a massive it's a massive hat to have to wear um, for Darwin Nunes. Yeah, it, it's a big, big job, isn't it? And it always is uncomfortable. Joining a new club is uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable for a day, for a week, for, for the month or whatever, but it's uncomfortable at some stage. And for Darwin Nunes, the first thing will be uncomfortable will, of course, be the language. Uh, you know, as much as, much as there might be a little bit of broken English, isn't it? he would be missing an awful lot. And, of course, being in camp, you know, 24 hours a day and all you hear is noise and people laughing. So that'll be uncomfortable. And then, of course, there's a price tag. There's no way around it. Uh, people are waiting, you know, and it's only Liverpool fans who are who are on his side, aren't they? Everybody else wants him to fail. Uh, so that in itself is a problem. And then, of course, it's the way that he plays compared to the way that we play. I wouldn't suggest that instantly you go, he's a, he's a, he's a, it's a relationship made in heaven. We, we have to make adjust, adjustments the way that we play, and so does he. Uh, but, but I have no doubt that he would have considered all this. And so it's just a question of how quick do you get over that uncomfortableness? Uh, and I guess a goal for him, because that in the end, his time at Liverpool will only ever be just to get the goals that he scores. Uh, so the best thing for him is is, is to get himself a goal as, as quick as possible. I know it sounds pretty simple, isn't it? But these little things are so important when you go to a new club. I mean, first and foremost, you know, you're talking about your new teammates and they'll all be looking and going, yeah, yeah, we played against him. We know he's a good player. Let's see what he can do when he's with us. Isn't he? So there's all sorts of people you have to impress. And also from Jurgen Klopp's point of view, isn't he? You know, he's, he's, he's brought this boy in and he's been very vocal about how involved he's been in this transfer and how much he likes this player, isn't it? So that would also be, be important for Klopp to be able to hook Nunes after the game when he scored a goal. And then you kind of feel that we're on our way, isn't it? But yes, I said before, it's a matter of time, isn't it? Uh, there will have to be some adjustment in the way that Nunes plays and the way that we play for him to, to fit in. But they would have considered all that before they signed him. It was, that's, that's what kills me about this, is that why all of a sudden people would think we've started to do things differently just because the size of the fee. I mean, the size of the fee for Alison Becker, people were kind of raising their eyebrows at that because they weren't 100% sure about how good he was. Or All, all some people remember was that we battered loads of goals past him when he played for Roma. You know, the kind of way um, uh, the, the size of the fee for Virgil van Dijk was sneered at. But you, you, these people that we have doing their jobs tend to do them quite well. So as you say very uh, correctly, um, they'll have as much info about how he plays and how he can adapt to us uh, and, and much more than any of the rest of us would. But it's just an interesting thing to bear in mind because I, you remember, Jan, the, 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 the sort of pressure that dogged, say, most in the recent times, like Peter Crouch, 
or you just couldn't get that first goal. Um, there was a little mini dose of that for Peter Beardsley, I think, when he arrived as well. And it's just that thing, like you say, it's uh, it's it's there's nothing you can do about it. They're going to have to it's uh, until that goal goes in. It's going to be a thing that will endlessly go round and round and round in the media. Uh, and, you know, you just hope that the kid himself is able for it. But that again, Jan, we have to be honest. They tend to pick characters too, don't they? When they're picking players, it's always something that Jurgen says is that you know he's he's a really excellent footballer, but he's a great he's a great guy as well. They seem to pick fellas who they think are going to be able for and seem to be a good blend in terms of personality. That seems to be quite an important part, and again, not something that would have been considered so much in the past. No, and I think you're spot on. I mean, big personalities. Uh, I, I needed, uh, but also humble people. You know, that's that seems to be the route that we're going down. And this kid looks well. And what I like about it is that we we saw him against Manchester United, and then we hear from from the training camp that in between the United and the Palace game, what you saw in training was them working with him all the time in terms of his movement. Uh, so as I said before, everything is going to plan. It wasn't planned that we were going to lose four 0 against Manchester United, uh, but it certainly wouldn't change our plans that we lost four 0 uh, they know exactly what, what what they're going to do. I think even when we start the season on the 6th of August, there'll still be one or two of our key players who might be a little bit short on, on, on Matt's fitness, so they might not be able to play the full 90 minutes, isn't it? But all this, I guess, probably up till the first international break, which is at the end of September. I, I think our plan, our plans have been laid and, and Klopp would have already obviously barring injuries or whatever, he would have known what players I can use here, there and everywhere. And he would always have a, a good idea already in his head how we're going to get to that first international break in terms of the Premier League games and also in terms of the Champions League games. Isn't it? So nothing will change his mind because he knows he's done it before. He knows he can do it. Uh, the interesting bit is, and I keep coming back to Nunes, isn't it? it's just a, how quick does he hit the ground running, isn't it? Because, you know, him and Diaz probably compared to what we've had over the last few years, they, they are the ones that might just be able to change it. And if anything, they might be able to take it up a little much. That's right there at the end is the exciting part. And I think uh, people should be leaning in, into that as much as they are into the, 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 the over-caution. Because imagine if we could actually improve. I mean, that is, that's... And, and really, what what are you in the what are you in the game for if you if you don't let yourself uh, go down that road? In my opinion, now with that in mind, we have some more games coming up in which we can get a chance to see uh, these uh, players, and um, we have three that will have taken place before you and I speak again. Um, the Red Bull uh, uh, Fest which is, first of all, against Leipzig in two days' time um, at the Red Bull Arena. And then we play uh, Salzburg uh, on the 27th, which is, you know, quite a considerable amount of time after that. Um, Now, after those, hot on the heels of those, comes the uh, Community Shield on the 30th. Now, I've told you that there's going to be three. There might actually, realistically, actually, if we're being honest, there will be four. Because this is something I want to just hop off you. Because I, I I was confused. I was, I was talking to somebody on a show recently about this, and we were trying to get our heads around what was going on, myself and Cam. Um, so we have the Community Shield. We'll go back to the Salzburg and, 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 and Leipzig games in a second. We have the Community Shield uh, against City on uh, the 30th of July, where uh, Pep will be uh, hoping for another, uh, what he likes to refer to as a title. Um, that can be whatever that can be. And, and you know, we, we, we'll talk about City later on in the show. But within a day, Jan, there's a friendly scheduled um, against Strasbourg. Uh, at Anfield, uh, one day later, uh, and it's barely just over 24 hours later. And I was trying to work out with the first game of the season being a week after that. What what is going on? What's the what's the thought process there? Um, 
and because you know i don't have any specific experience um at that level of the game or that thinking of the game i'm I'm getting it really hard to get my head around why they would have done that it kind of almost looks like a a, 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 a cock up until you realize no this is our lot there'll be very good reasons behind it um do you think we're more likely to see the likely starting 11 for the premier league against city or in this friendly or what is what do you think the purpose of the the friendly around 24 hours later might be yeah i mean didn't we do a similar thing last season when we had uh consecutive games in the last weekend before uh i think they were both at anfield weren't they uh, i certainly remember going to one of them or Sasuna. uh so i don't know exactly what the thinking is uh obviously nice to have a home game and some fans who don't normally go to Anfield can come and watch, and it'll be a little bit of an income for the for the club, isn't it? Not that we necessarily need that. Uh, what will we see? I don't know what to expect from. I don't know what to expect of the of the charity shield because of the relatively sort of quick turnaround uh, from last season, a relatively short pre-season. Club likes to play a lot of pre-season games, normally eight or nine. He likes to have a little mini British tour first, where we maybe play Tranmere, Fleetwood, and a couple of whatever. Uh, before we have another five or six games, you won't be able to have that. So I don't know what to expect for the Community Shield. Having said all of that, it wouldn't surprise me if if we're a little bit light in the Community Shield, if there's one or two players uh, missing in the Community Shield. That probably won't play on a Sunday either. Uh, So, But it it will be interesting. But I do think that there's... I think there'll be a number of players, Trevor, that, that won't be ready to play for 90 minutes in the eyes of our, of our medical experts. Uh, and and, and that might, we might even have to go to second or third Premier League game. Maybe even the Old Trafford game is the first one where we feel that, you know, now all our sort of A players are ready to play for 90 minutes. So what to expect on the 30th and 31st of July? I don't really know, Trevor. Uh, I, th- I think there will be surprises in both those uh, lineups. I'd be inclined to agree with you. And one thing you've said to me before, um, going back to one of our first pre-season shows that we did together was that, you know, these pre-season fixtures in terms of momentum and all the rest of it, um, I was at the time asking you the question, how important is that? Like, you know, to get a a get into the habit of winning and all that type of thing. And you'd played that down, but also you went that step further, which you've gone again there um, to say that, listen, you can be a few games into the season before you have that sort of rhythm before you have the what you often refer to as your match legs. And that's, I think, a revelation for some people who just expect it to be magically okay on day one of the season or perhaps even for the char- uh, Charity Shield or Community Shield or whatever it's called these days. Um, but that's a real thing, isn't it? That, you know, the, the, the actual, having that sort of match fitness, game fitness, fully having your match legs, that can take until the season is underway, two, three, as you said before, up to four or five games. When, when I played, Trevor, there was a saying, and it was basically as simple as this, make sure you're ready for the first game of the season. Well, that doesn't carry any more of that, because now it's kind of a, make sure you're ready for the season, make sure you're ready for the demands of the season, make sure that when we get to the second half of the season, that you're still going, that you still got your Lexus. And so it isn't long, any longer that important to be ready on that. Of course, it's, it's important in terms of that. But when we played, it was everything. Wasn't it? You had to be ready for that first game of the season. And they would push you to get ready. They wouldn't dream of that during that today. You know, they would, as I said before, it's, it's been pre-planned. They, got, they know exactly uh, what the route is to get, get, get players fit for whenever that is. So there will be players. I guess they'll have a book where they'll go, these, these 15 players... We'll be match fit on the 6th of August. We've got another three who won't be till the next weekend. And then we got our final few. We won't be ready till the third game of the season. I'm guaranteed they'll have something like that, Trevor. That would have already been worked out. But as I said before in our day, the aim was make sure you're ready. First game of the season. Uh, let's go. Although I haven't said all of this, and it sounds funny, isn't it? We do have to be ready on the first day of the season because margins, isn't it? The small margins now decide the, 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 the Premier League, and they will be. It will be us in Manchester City again. So we can't afford to, to, to drop any points. I haven't said all of that. You know, we 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 probably got two two starting elevens that might be able to beat Fulham on the first uh, game back in, in, in the Premier League. But but it is always interesting, isn't it? Uh, you you think 
you think you get little clues when you watch them or when you listen to what they say and you watch them play preseason games, isn't it? But you don't really. You know, what you need to, to look is into the computers and see what they've got down there and writing for how it's going to work out. But, you know, sometime come the end of August, uh, Trevor, I guess they'll be able to explain it all. Exactly. And in the immediate future, the two games against the Red Bull clubs over, you know, the course of a week or so um, will be where I guess we'll be hoping to see little flourishes, maybe that goal for Nunes, those type of things, maybe a little bit more of um, Fabio Carvalho. Um, But, you know, again, since you and I have spoken, we've um, secured the signature of Joe Gomez as well and I find that very reassuring going into the season because as you said Jan um, it may take several people um, different periods of time to be ready but we have to be ready and surely two of those four excellent centre halves will be good to go at the start of the season and that's all you really want isn't it because it's quite a collection there man there's not many teams around who can rival those four as a group um and it reminds you of you know the fact that the club has come a long way yeah and, and they are exactly what club wants in terms of center halves you know it starts with size you know the size is massive uh, for club i think gomez at 188 is the small as isn't so in terms of that they're perfect uh they're perfect in the way that he, he wants them to play, isn't they're comfortable with the high line. Uh, and when you get them together, uh, you know, they play as they play, they play it all their lives together. Isn't so it's not a problem, is it? He'll be very excited about it. Having said all of that, there is some other sense of hearts, isn't it? Phillips and, and, and Williams uh, and Vanderberg, potentially. And I guess, I think Ben Davies is about to join Rangers, isn't he? Uh, but I think of them three centre halves. A couple will probably go, but I think he'll probably want one of them to stay. Uh, so we got five because young Billy has also gone uh, out somewhere. I think he's gone to Austria, hasn't he? Uh, so I think he'd want at least five centre halves. So whether that's Williams or or, or Seth Vandenberg that stays, I don't know. Uh, but we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, four, four, top, top centre halves, and obviously the big problem for Joe Gomez is that he's at a and he's now where he, he needs to play. And I guess if he'd have played somewhere else, he would have been in the England setup because he's good enough, isn't it? But he just doesn't get enough minutes at Anfield. He's, but he would have calculated all that into when he decided that there's only one place he wants to be. Yeah, you know, you're dead right as well. Um, it, that one of those guys you mentioned is probably going to be kept around or have to stay around. Um, the drop-off is quite noticeable. But then again, it's going to be because we just made a point of how good these four are. Uh, so it's not going to be a bit noticeable, but um, now Phillips, it seems, is the, the 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 attractiveness of him as an option to other clubs seems to have dwindled a little bit. Um, whether or not we can do anything with Williams is, you know, not it's, it's questionable as well in terms of demand. Um, and as you say, Ben Davies on his way I would imagine um, Phillips has been like going to move away so much that it's unlikely that he'll stay around. So it probably will be young Williams hanging about. And I guess Fabinho may be considered by the manager if one of if we're really hit a crisis as well. So that's interesting to to think about. But hopefully we'll never have to. Um, in terms of the opening of the season, yeah, Fulham, then Palace at Anfield, and then Man United at Old Trafford. Um, uh, ahead of of Bournemouth back at Anfield again is an interesting start to the season um, and one that as you say we have to hit the ground running with now you talked about how Joe Gomez at 188 was the shortest of our centre halves in that four Um, one of our rivals there and our third opponents of the season have signed a centre half from Ajax your old club um, Lissandro Martinez, um, who's kind of no- notably uh, short for a centre half at about five foot eight to five foot nine kind of height, um, but obviously highly rated and a fee of I think about fifty seven million. Um, let's start there at United with our uh, look at what other people are doing because it was always going to be about this for us. Like we kind of knew we've we've been given the hint that, you know, if we didn't get this specific midfielder, the chances are nothing much was going to happen between way back when we got um, the deals for the two boys done and the end of the window. So with that in mind, let's focus our attention elsewhere. And what do you think of what's happening there with Ten Hag and with City? There's a couple of sort of 
I would imagine if I'm a Man United fan, mildly cringy things happening with the young and it not looking like the kid really wants to go to United. Um, what do you make of their recruitment and, and approach to it, uh, the ins and outs at that club so far? Well, first, Trevor, I have to say I'm, I'm disappointed that, you know, everybody who's played Fireworks or plays Fireworks has been contacted by joining Manchester United and so far. There's been no contact with me, Trevor. Do, do you think they've forgotten? <laughs> do you think they've forgotten I played for? No, man, no, man. Hang tough, hang tough. I think it's, okay. it's a matter of time. It's yeah, only a matter of time. Working their way down the list, are they? <laughs> right. So, that, that, that is a slight worry, though, I think. it's. I, I think there's too much Ajax. Uh, Christian Eriksen, uh, Martin Estrem, you, you just mentioned there, and being linked with... They've been linked with Anthony, haven't they? They've been linked with, with, with Frankie de Jong and, 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 and Timber and everybody else, isn't it? And you think, whoa. I think there's too much uh, too much Ajax, and I think he'll get a shot tonight. Uh, I understand that he knows the players, but it's a massive step up. And the centre-half at 175, which, would you say that's even great when you play a high defensive line? I'm not so sure. Uh, he's a good player. By the way, he's a good player, Trevor. He's a tough cookie. Uh Big fee, a lot more than what I thought, uh, I believe. But, but I believe it was one of those that Ten Hag went, this is who I want. You know, although the recruitment team at Manchester United suggested others. But still, you can't help but think what exactly is going on. You know, it's been a couple of months since Ten Hag has been, been announced. He's, he's been in there now for, 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 for at least a month, six weeks. And still, you're very unsure. And you've got the problems with Ronaldo, who by all accounts uh, wants to leave, which, which I think... <laughs> It might sound funny, but I think that will actually help them a little bit if they can get shots of him and they might be able to concentrate on, on, on getting somebody else's. But I still think that, you know, they give you that feel of, a bit that feel that City gives you and that feel that Liverpool gives you in that. We, even Arsenal, to be fair, you know, they know what they want to do. And this is the players that are going to go. Manchester United, I think he's still a little bit too willy-nilly, isn't it? Can we get him? No, but well, let's get him and see if we can get him and inquire about a few players, isn't it? So I still think there's a lot of work to be done uh, in terms of how they play, but he can only play with the players that he's got. So I don't expect there to be massive uh, massive improvement in terms of what they're going to deliver throughout the season. Yeah, and another uh, Dutch connection in Tyrell Malassia, who's come in as well. As you said, Christian Eriksen going there on a free very recently. Um, but it's it, what's interesting is I'm wondering will this help um, the new man manager in terms of the clear out you've mentioned Ronaldo who's obviously going to be a huge voice and personality around the place and I think you're right I think for him to actually be gone might be the easiest thing for the new manager but then you know you've got also Cavani released Mata released Pogba Lingard these are all players who had been in and around the first team Matic gone as well um these are all and, and Pereira. Uh, these are all guys who had been getting a bit of uh, first team football and were established names and some some massively probably big uh, presences around the dressing room. You know, in terms of from a managerial point of view, which of course you've experienced as well, do you think that might help Ten Hag? Not exactly a clean slate, but a bit of a clear out and a sort of a new look to the squad under him that can only stand to him, you'd imagine. Yeah, and he would have looked. At, at the squad prior to taking a job. And, and obviously, he would have had some knowledge of all the players. And he would have looked down and he'd have gone, you know, there's a number of players that's been underperforming. Uh, but there's also a number of players who are simply not good enough. And I think he's he's been fortunate in that some of the, you know, Paul Pogba, do you really want to inherit that problem? A player that some people still think is, is, is very gifted, but can't put it together. So I think the fact that he's no longer there takes the problem away, doesn't it? Cavani... Who didn't really want to didn't really want to play Jesse Lingard, who's more interested in doing other things apart from playing. Juan Mata is one of those that really good player, but I think his legs have gone. There's no room for him in Premier League. I think all those departures will help him, uh, and they will also give him uh, some money to throw about uh, in, in in terms of wages, which they're very very good at, isn't it? But I still, you know, I still think that there's some way uh, from being able to put him. I know that people kept saying it last year. You know, they've got some really good, they got, I, I don't see it. I just don't see that good team that everybody talks about. So I still think that a long way away from being able to put a team on the pitch where you go, I'll tell you what, this looks really good. Where's the right back? Where's the left back? Centre half, what is the combinations going to be there? 
that midfield, Christian Eriksen will improve them. Absolutely no doubt. But you look at the rest of them, Bruno Fernandes, who's completely lost all confidence. And then you've got Rascal, he's out of form. Martial, who looks like he doesn't want to play football. Jaden Sancho is underachieved, isn't it? There's still a long, long way and a lot of work to be done. And and when you look at it like this, Trevor, is that, yes, of course, Ten Hag needs money. But the one thing he needs more than anything is time. And are they in a position where they can give him, they can give him the time? They start with Bright, Brighton at home on Sunday, the 7th of August. That in itself will be an unreal eye-opener for Ten Hag because this is a team that United are expected to be. But I can see Brighton coming to Old Trafford, dominating possession, you know, and, and, and already then he'll get a, 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 a taste of what it's like to play in the Premier League and then, of course, playing Liverpool at, at Old Trafford, isn't it? it? It's either one of them where he gets into people's good books, there's no people go, same old, same old. I'm very interested to see how it pans out for him because, again, a little bit of an unknown quantity for a lot of us, apart from lives. We'll have known the name and uh, we'll have seen what he was doing with, with Ajax and all the rest of it. But in a Premier League where it's increasingly, it seems to be at the very top, at least, about the cult of the manager as much as anything else. I mean, you have to be this huge personality. I'm thinking I'm thinking Klopp, I'm thinking Guardiola, I'm thinking Conte, people like that who are, who are you know, having this massive impact. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And just to move sideways across um, the city there a little bit to look at, at what Manchester City are doing. Um, they've gotten in Ortega, they've gotten in uh, Julian Alvarez, um, Calvin Phillips and Erling Haaland. Um, and that's a quite a bundle um, for them to get in. And in terms of going out from there, it hasn't been quite as as uh, dramatic as you might think. And yet, in Fernandinho and Gabriel Jesus and um, Raheem Sterling, that's a couple who've been very much in and out of first team and uh, oftentimes ever present in the first team. So a little bit of change there at City as well. Uh, some people... I've heard talk about it are leaning into that too much a little, I think, in terms of hoping that it'll be a, a bit of a restructure and he'll have a lot in his hands there, whereas we might have just a little bit of tweaking to do. Not sure I go along with that. What do you make of the quality of their uh, introductions to that squad? Obviously, you know, in Haaland, we have someone that you and I thought might well be the ultimate Premier League player, so that's going to be kind of one to watch. Yeah, I, I think he's the one, isn't he? I think he's He's the one that worries us. Because if you think that they're going to add somebody to what is already a very talented squad that's capable of getting 25-plus Premier League goals, then, of course, from our point of view, we might need to produce even more. Uh, so Haaland, you, you can't put a finger on anything in terms of his career so far. Everywhere he's gone, he's produced. He's been sensational. Yes, he had had one or two little injuries. Having said all of that, uh, you know, scoring in the Austrian Bundesliga and the German Bundesliga, it's not quite the same. Certainly the German Bundesliga is a very open league. He had loads of space to run into. Uh, will it be the same in the Premier League? He won't. Uh, and defenders were better than what he's ever produced uh, or performed against before. So, as much as I think he'll be a success, I can also take part in a discussion that uh, talks about the problems that he might incur. Uh, will, will City get the ball forward quickly enough because he doesn't like that little pass in behind so he can use his pace and his strength. So I don't know. The young boy, Alvarez, is the one they're really excited about. I think that, I think they feel that they pulled a real rabbit out the hat here, that, that this is going to be a really, really top, top uh, attacker. So interesting. Callum Phillips, I like him. He's, I think he's a really good player. How much will he get to play? I don't know. Rodri is, a, is an outstanding number six. Uh, so now they've got two really good number sixes. Will they miss Jesus? No, I don't think so. Will they miss Sterling? Yeah, I do think they will miss Sterling uh, because when you compare them to the other wide people they've got, you know, whether that's Maris or Foden or Jack Green, isn't uh, he, he is different, isn't he? Uh, he's sort of maybe uh, less skillful than them, but, but he does have a, a, an end product, although he just missed a number of chances. So I think it was an interesting transfer. We've heard it from a number of years that Pep Guardiola has never been 100% sure about Sterling. But we've seen that now, isn't he? He's decided to offload him. I think that about to sell Sinchenko as well to uh, to Arsenal, which again won't be a big loss because, strangely enough, he doesn't play a lot. I like him. I think he's a really, really good player. I think Arsenal is getting a good, versatile player on their hands, isn't it? So, 
yeah, City, we know they're going to be strong. We know that City, City's aim is to get close to 100 points again, isn't it? That's the challenge. We're just going to make sure we're up for it. Well, we might uh, sort of finish our, our look at the different clubs with Arsenal in a second and we'll go to the others that we've left out maybe on the next show and, 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 and talk a little bit about them. But the interesting segue there is obviously Raheem Sterling and to, to take a look at, at what Chelsea are doing. And again, back to my point about the cult of the manager in Tommy Tuchel there, you've got a lad who's Love him or loathe him, very much uh, his own man with his own uh, vision of how the things should be going and how the team should be played and massively highly rated. Um, you know, he's got trophies in the in in the in the in the bank there as well. So that's all to his credit. There's an interesting sort of dynamic at the club now in terms of the new ownership and the recruitment. And I think originally it looked as if there might be slight tensions there. But when you look at what's going on, um, they've gotten in Raheem Sterling. And I think that immediately improves their attacking options. You look at where they were possibly a little bit weak, um, especially with the likes of Antonio Rudiger heading off to Real Madrid on a free and Andreas Christensen heading off to Barcelona on a free and um, different things like that. Uh, Lukaku, who hadn't just worked out for Tuchel, uh, gone to Inter. Um, the big area that they wanted to address was the centre-half department. And you could see even last season, that's where they weren't great. And now they've got uh, Koulibaly. And a lot of people are talking about his age, but Jesus, yeah, he's very good at what he does. Um, talk, talk to me about Chelsea, how they're fixed in your opinion heading into this season because if I was to think of two areas that they should probably address um, it was an attacker in the in the style of Sterling and specifically a dominant centre half in the vein of Koulibaly and uh, uh, this one worries me I have to say I don't like the idea of them having a fellow like that playing to the top of his ability It appears that they've done really good work since the new owner come in. I mean, there was some uncertainty when he came in, but they've acted very swiftly, haven't they? They've, they've changed a lot of, of personnel. And here I'm talking about, uh, you know, chief executives and uh, uh, director of football and whatever else. And uh, they've moved very swiftly, moved people out, got new people in. People talk about uh, Bowley as an owner. He's a very, very good owner. He's very active. Uh, he's not scared. I mean, of course, he's not going to buy Chelsea for all that money. And then not have a massive transfer budget. Of course, he's got a massive transfer budget. And I think what they're doing, they're sort of continuing in the vein that Chelsea does things. Chelsea's very much about here and now, isn't it? You know, it's not about signing a 24-year-old centre-half who can play here for the next eight years. It's about signing somebody who we feel right now is the best man for the job, whether he's 31 or not. A bit the same with Raheem Sterling, isn't it? Bang, two good opportunities are turned down. So Chelsea... Yeah, I mean, I look at this centre midfield and, you know, if you can keep and go, they can see fit, but I don't think they can. Jorginho, not for me. Uh, Kovic is alike, but, but but again, a little bit too inconsistent. So I still think they've got areas they need to, to address, isn't it? But I think they'll be strong. The, the big question is that towards the back end of last season, he found it difficult to get a tune out of him, uh, uh, Tuchel. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where he's got the players, you know, whether they're 100% still with him, whether he can still motivate them. Uh, because again, to be part of it, they'll have to be their absolute best. Uh, they got the players, they got the manager, they got the infrastructure. So yeah, expect Chelsea to be strong. 100%. I, I, I think that's, I think that's a fair assessment of them. I think they, they certainly don't fall off from where they were. So that's, uh, uh, that's certainly one to keep an eye on and a uh, concerned eye at that. And we'll just, like I said, finish with uh, this just, you know, initial look at some of the rivals by talking about Arsenal um, because there are some crossovers there with some of the people we've been speaking about. And in terms of outgoings, I know um, Lacazette went off to Lyon on a free, uh, I think as well in terms of people who might have been around the first team, Guendouzi went to Marseille, um, obviously Omari Hutchinson went to Chelsea, but not necessarily a first teamer. In terms of incomings for Arsenal, Marquinhos came from Sao Paulo, 
Abio Vieira's in from Porto, Matt Turner from New England Revolution, and Gabriel Jesus from Manchester City, and it looks like, as you said, Sinchenko joining him. Again, to all intents and purposes, looks like a solid enough window from them so far. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and, and what you have to do is look at what Arsenal are, are working towards. And you can't compare them to the way that Spurs or Chelsea are doing things. They're doing things for here and now. Arsenal got a, a clear plan. You know, and it's step by step. It's a bit like it's a bit like Liverpool, although Arteta haven't been able to get the same tune out of the players he had as to what Klopp did when he came. But it's the same sort of we'll get there. We have a plan. We we, we won't uh, move away from our plan. And the plan is to sign a lot of young, talented players uh, to find a bit like Liverpool, isn't it? Find bargains in the market uh, to get them in at a relatively price that reflects them uh, but also in terms of wages isn't so I think I think Arsenal will struggle to get in the top four but I do like what they're trying to do I do like the direction that they're going in uh, it wouldn't surprise me if give it another year and I think Arsenal might be back being real contenders for that top four uh, interesting it's, it's hard with the managers and I don't know how good he is but I do like a lot of things that he does uh, he's won some big battles against some of the big, big players that he's that he's had. People like Aubameyang and whatever else. Uh, so they obviously proved that the board believe in him. They backed him, and I think they've had a decent window. Yeah, again, another one. I think it does come down to that. It does come down to what how he's going to turn out. Is he going to be able to elevate himself into that category of the 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 really great managers around the Premier League who can. Um, have that influence and yeah signs are there that maybe um, also there's been some negative ones too so it's going to be interesting to watch them and you know at this stage of the year all we can do is speculate that's what we're all about and just one last little bit of speculation to, to, to sort of draw you in on because we won't have a chance to speak again like I said until the, pretty much the season is about to start we'll have the two Red Bull games under our belts and, and, and the um, Community Shield and the Friendly probably before like we say we do a show again with that in mind then um, just in, from your own good feeling or things you might have heard obviously better connected than most of us, and you might hear an odd thing, we heard Klopp say Julian Ward was still doing a few things, and an awful lot of people are reading an awful lot into that. I don't know. that For, for me, that could mean you know trying to sort out contract extensions or, 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 or that type of thing. Um, but a lot of people are hoping for one more move in the transfer window, and I've heard this rationale that I want to run past you, where people are saying, look, I totally get it that we want Bellingham, we want the too many, we want the one that we want, and it's worth waiting for a la Virgil van Dijk. And yeah, we can all see the logic there and uh, understand the, the thought process around it and all the rest of it. But my take is that I'd be a little bit wary about some of our midfielders in terms of durability and availability this season. Not necessarily ability, just those other two. And when it comes to that, then I'm thinking, look, why can't we, why is it not possible for us to get someone who's maybe not the best the pinpoint top target, get someone who might be in the next rung down who could be brought on or who might be young, like this kid at Aston Villa, um, who seems to be a bit un, unsettled or the likes of that. Do you see any moves there at all um, between now and the end of the window, Jan? Well, Trying to second guess what Liverpool are planning to do is almost impossible, isn't it? Uh, but I, I spent quite a bit of time last week uh, over at the club, uh, and, and everybody seems to be of the same understanding that the only thing that might happen is some outgoings, but the, the club are not really looking to bring anyone else in. Uh, and, and, and it just leads everybody to think that next summer it's going to be the big one for Bellingham. Uh, it'll be interesting. I, I really don't know. I agree with you in terms of our midfield players. And when we've got Oxley chamberlain with a minor injury already, and there's other midfield players you can look at and think, how many games at the level that's required are they going to be able to give us this? And so it is a slight worry, isn't it? But I think Klopp always looks at his midfield and goes, you know, even if I have to play James Milner for 75 minutes in 30 games, he'd be quite happy to do that. He feels comfortable doing that, isn't it? So as long as Klopp is comfortable, I think we should be likewise. You know what? You're dead right. As long as, long as he's comfortable, we should be. I just wish people were. Um, and I wish I could always be myself. But, you know, we are what we are. Football fans, we all have our own thoughts and, and desires and wishes. And we'll keep them 
on the back burner until we speak next month and um hopefully uh, in the in the interim we'll get to see some interesting bits and pieces um from our new boys and from our established uh, icons and all the rest of it uh, as we see ourselves settle into some sort of pattern um between now and then i believe you might be heading off on a little bit of a, a holiday i hope you'll enjoy that um any any plans right is it going to be one of those relaxing holidays yan or are you going to be a, a busy 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 boy all the way through it no no the the active holidays they've long gone uh, and, and this is just a really quiet it's a cruise to the norwegian fjords for the week uh 17 18 degrees so no sunbathing which i don't do anyway uh load of walk and uh, a bit of fun on the on the, on the fjords Something nice to eat, Trevor. A uh, significant number of, of, I guess, gin and tonics. But I think we'll have a nice time. <laughs> it'll just, it'll just get in the mood for the new season, won't it? <laughs> love it, love it. That sounds like an ideal holiday, and very much the kind of way I'd be leaning myself if I was available to go away um, for yet another show, Jan, where we've really literally gone around all the various uh, uh, ports of call we could uh, I do appreciate your flexibility on these things all the time depend no, no matter what the subject is you've always got a a, a tuppence worth to throw in so once again thanks very much for that yeah it's i mean football is sort of back Trevor, isn't it but we're still looking for more aren't we you know we're looking for more transfer news and we're looking for the real stuff to uh to start but it will pretty soon isn't it? i mean the charity community deal sorry has has some kind of a feel about it isn't so uh before we know it Trevor. Trevor, sorry, Trevor, Trevor. Uh, we're up and running, isn't it? You know, and once it starts, you know, this season will be for real, Trevor, because of the World Cup, isn't it? It will be relentless. It sure will. And uh, actually, next time out, we must, um, maybe we could even arrange a special guest appearance. There's been a man you taking your name in vain, but in a very, very, uh, in a very respectful way that I wouldn't mind chatting to you about uh, uh, in the podcast to come. Not a nice little bit of light-hearted uh, dif- distraction for us in the fame at fame at last, Trevor. Fame at last, buddy. Fame at last. <laughs> even even Ke- even Kevin De Bruyne on the last one didn't know who it was. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, players these days, yeah, players these days. <laughs> we so will wrap. Rude. <laughs> so rude. We will wrap it up. That's Jan Malby. I've been Trev Downey, and we will talk to you again very, very soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.